This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Joseph Vetter writes, it seems like the Mets are not interested in developing their prospects under Cohen. I love Stevie, but this may be a major flaw. He does not seem to have the patience it takes to let the young guys grow. Does this concern you? No, I completely disagree. Um, They haven't traded top prospects. What top prospects have they traded? If your point is they didn't call up Alvarez quick enough, uh, that Alvarez may not make the team this year, that Beatty may not make the team, and they waited too long on him. I think that's a different criticism. I don't think that's not being interested in developing prospects. That's being really patient. So I disagree with the thought. Here's what would concern me. If this team isn't winning, does Steve Cohen become an owner who walks into Billy Epler's office and says, do this? I, you know, because that's what Steinbrenner's biggest flaw was. Trade this guy. Go get this guy. I don't care the cost. It's something Dolan's been accused of doing from that mellow trade. Oh, let's throw in Timothy Moskov. I don't care. You still, at the end of the day, want to let your GM GM. When it comes to free agents, I think that's different. But when it comes to trading prospects, that would concern me. But Cohen has shown no sign of that. So it's just more of a theory that could concern me. It's not like Cohen's done that yet. Well, they, he did trade. They did trade Pete Crow Armstrong, and and I think they made they made a mistake there, probably for the Javi Baez rental. So I think maybe that's in the back of some people's heads. But last year they were very patient. I mean, they gave a ton. They gave a bunch of bodies for Darren Ruff. Not to go back to that, but they didn't really give up anybody significant besides maybe J.D. Davis. But that's only because he had a better second half. Yeah, no, good, good call though on Pico Armstrong. You're right about that. They did give him up for Javi Baez, and I think we look back at that and say, "Eh, <laughs> that's that wasn't a good one." Casey Manning writes, Casey from Queens said some nice things about the pod. We appreciate it. I've long had the belief that if Armando Benitez doesn't blow game one of the World Series, or Timo runs hard on Zeal's ball off the wall, that we actually end up winning that World Series. Whenever I hear people talk about it's always the Mets were overmatched or they didn't really have a shot, I think it's BS. One of those things goes differently. It's an entirely different series, and their odds go up. What are your thoughts on that? Did we blow a golden opportunity, or was it fool's goal? Thank you very much. So, yes and no. Obviously, you win game one of the World Series on the road, everything changes. Everything changes. And there's a really good chance that World Series is brought back to Yankee Stadium for game six. I know you can't follow the same script. You can't assume the Mets win game three. Can't assume anything after game one. But yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have a lead in the ninth inning, which they had in 2015 as well, which is what really freaks me out, that 2000 and 2015, the two World Series I at least were able to witness as a Mets fan, both went the exact same way. They really did. 
So, yeah, I think it changes everything. Now, if you ask me, do the Mets win the World Series? No, they probably don't. But I don't think it's a fait accompli. I don't think, wow, they're the Yankees. They have no shot. No, they have a shot. But you're asking me to predict what happens? The Yankees probably still win the World Series. And it's probably more painful for us. Because it means they may lose a game six or seven at Yankee Stadium, which is better than losing at Shea. But maybe we're closer to what we are closer to a championship. Maybe Roger Clemens sticks it up our ass again, this time in game six. So it changes everything. Just like if the Mets would have won game one against Kansas City. But we probably lose. That's the bottom line. We probably lose. Uh, I have one here for you. Oh, good. Give me one. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So this, I think this could actually be a whole podcast, but at Zay 97 says biggest prospect bust from the Mets system. Paul Wilson. That'd be my number one. Paul Wilson. Paul Wilson. Really? Number one overall pick. He's the next Tom Seaver. I'll never forget him being interviewed after the Mets drafted him. And he sucked. He was so bad. And then he got hurt. And then they traded him to Tampa Bay for nothing. And he ended up having a career. just wasn't any good. But yeah, because any other prospect we mentioned, Fernando Martinez, Alex Escobar, Alex Ochoa, whoever you want to come up with. I mean, any of these hordes of crap prospects that the Mets sold us on that didn't work out. This guy was the number one overall pick. That was our reward for losing 103 games in 1993. In the generation K. The whole th- oh, you like Izzy? Oh, you like Pulsifer? Wait till you get a load of Paul Wilson. My ass. So that's the my opinion. You ask me the biggest blown prospect of them all, the biggest one, to me it's Paul Wilson. Why, you had somebody else? No, I mean, I just, uh, Fernando Martinez, I think, has to be up there. And Lacey Millage, again, just because, and I know they, they what I don't even know if they had any real realistic years as a career. I mean, Millage went to the Nationals, and what, uh, Martinez ended up going to the Astros. I don't remember if he got real playing time, but uh, those two were just so overhyped, and we couldn't trade them for anything. Like, those are our guys. That don't package them in anything we talked about last episode. That uh, Put in a deal for Lacey Millage, and then we're, like, offering for Gary Sheffield Lacey Millage last minute. It's like we overhyped them, and then we, like, tried to undersell uh, undersell because we just were, like, we had no choice. They yeah, I got that. Well, look, they're, they're all on the list. I mean, there's a there's a long, long list of these kinds of prospects. <laughs> By the uh, way, do you do you like the uh, new draft, the uh, the lottery in baseball? I don't think it's – I just don't feel it's as necessary uh, as other sports. Like the NBA needs a lottery. So I'm glad they have it, I guess, but it doesn't – I never felt it was needed. I don't think teams are tanking because they want the number one pick. I think owners are saying, we suck. Let's not spend money we may as well lose. So I think they're, the methods for why they're bad or the reasons for why they're bad are so different than why teams do it in the NBA or the NFL. Like, they literally want that draft pick. I, I know the Astros were able to sort of rebuild themselves a decade ago by being bad for a few years, the Nationals with Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg, but I really don't think that that's why teams are doing it. I think they're just cheap. That's what I think it comes down to. I'll throw another email at you, then you throw me more tweets as we go through the mailbag on the Rico. Uh, This is from Robert O'Keefe. Pete Evan, 
I have two odd, but I think conversation-provoking questions. Ooh, I like that. If you were in charge of the Met uniforms, what would you use, and what are your rankings of all the Mets uniforms? Uh, There's a second part, but I'll start with that. I just love the traditional pinstripes. I do. That's my go-to. Give me those pinstripes like when I was a kid. As far as old uniforms I would bring back, I'd bring them all back for a day. The racing stripe from 86, the garbage little uh, thing under the name in 93. I'd bring them all back. Even those white jerseys and white hats where they look like ice cream men. From that's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, that was your that's favorite. My fa- it's terrible, but I loved it. <laughs> I'd bring them all back for a day. Like, I, I would do that. So one thing I love about the NBA, like, oh, I love a lot of things about the NBA, but in terms of the uniforms, I love that the Nets every year are bringing back an old jersey. I would do it every Friday. Like, this this is from 1993. This is from 1986. His other question is, are there any changes you'd make to City Field? For example, adding the old neon figures like Shea Stadium. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> Dude, you nailed it, Robert. I love those neon figures from Shea. I'd bring that back. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything from City Field that would really, really change they fixed their problems. You know, when they first opened the building, they ignored the history of the Mets. They have definitely fixed that. That's for sure. I'll think about that. By the end of the podcast, I will add something to City Field or something that I think they should add to City Field. They definitely need a retro night where everything is just hot neon colors and like crazy uh, Shea Stadium figures and stuff like that. And That'd be dope. everything has prices from 1965. All right, I'm in. Well, listen, speaking of old school, this goes back to 86. Talk to Marsh. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Who would you have kept at third base after the 86 season? Hojo, Knight, or Mitchell? Mitchell, third base? Does that make sense? Kevin Mitchell? Yeah, no. I mean, they all play. Well, they let Ray Knight go, and I know that pissed a lot of people off. But did Ray Knight have that many more productive seasons after that? So, yeah, I get the idea of he's the World Series MVP. How do you let him go? But he was basically done. Like, so... I always heard that criticism. Joe B would say that a lot. I think my dad would mention it. Like, how do you let Ray Knight go? They got the best of Ray Knight. They did. He won the World Series MVP. Let's have a party. He played, here it is. He played two more years in the major leagues after that. The Orioles in 87. And then in 1988, he went to Detroit. After that, he's out of baseball. He's pretty much done. But Howard Johnson was kind of a long-term guy. Remember this about Kevin Mitchell. They ended up trading Kevin Mitchell for Kevin McReynolds. And I know that McReynolds is not a beloved Met. Uh, You make a list of Met players that were hated. Kevin McReynolds was a productive player. And I don't know if enough people give him credit for that. Instead, it's more, oh, did you hear his wife called up WFAN once to complain about the criticism? I remember hearing that, but the guy came here and would hit 25 home runs and driving 90 runs every season. So I think the Mets ultimately made the right decision. 
That's crazy. Is that he almost won the MVP in 1988 and Hojo was a good Met. So I think the decision that they made was the right decision. The biggest mistake the Mets made was Lenny Dykstra for Juan Samuel. Okay. As far as breaking up the, the core of that 86 team was Dykstra for Samuel. And then obviously a few years later, letting Darrell walk. That was, those were the things I would look back on and say, those were the big mistakes. I have another one. It's pretty funny. Uh, well, I don't know if it's funny, but at <laughs> Yankees, at Yankees, WFAN, uh, Lawrence Passat, whatever his name is, have you ever stared at Rico Bronia's mailbag while he was using the bathroom, you sicko? <laughs> uh, I've never had the pleasure of uh, peeing <laughs> next to Rico, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's just Well, that was, that was predicate, first of all. That was for those who don't listen to the afternoon show because, I don't know, you hate Craig, whatever, whatever your reason. We were having a discussion. He started it about checking out other dudes, you know, while they're, while they're going. Ugh. And he talked about celebrities. Like, boy, that John Madden, he was something. I only mentioned Howard Stern because I was sharing the bathroom once with him. And of course I glanced over. So that's where that sicko's question comes from. <laughs> Stare at Rico Bronius. Didn't Jake Leisure do it with Francesa? Yes. And we, we refer to that, that Jay did that with Mike and gave him a big compliment. And he uh, actually said he lied, by the way. He lied. That was all fake. So he did. fake news. Yes. I, I saw this tweet that I, I, we should answer. Donovan Casp writes, when the Braves win 102 games in 2023 to win the National League East, how many games behind will the Mets finish? <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd say eight games behind would be my answer to that. I guess that's my way of saying I think the Mets win 95 games. Now we're just getting cruel here, people. What are we doing? Oh, I did my math wrong. That means they would win 94 games because that's 102 minus 94. Uh, go ahead. And any, well, Here's a question for me. The Marlins potentially selling have any effect on them this year? The and Marlins the, selling? The, did you see that yesterday? That they're potentially selling? Yeah. Moreno's back back with his team. And all of a sudden, I saw a tweet from um, somebody that, saying that the Marlins it, may potentially be back on the clock. It's all about who buys the team. It's like the same thing with the Nationals. Like, who's buying the team? If a billionaire is buying the team like Steve Cohen, of course it changes things. If it's someone who's going to keep the payroll at $80 million, then it doesn't change much. So whenever I hear about teams being sold, and, and sometimes as fans, we want our team to be sold. Like with the Wilpons, it couldn't be worse. But then we had preferences based on who was going to buy it. Like, what's the motivation of the new owner? Uh, Louis3020 asks a really good question. Evan, with season tickets, do you decide to go to games based on the promotion? Like, all bobblehead games are a must. How do you decide? (laughs) So now with uh, two children and a wife and doing afternoons on WFAN, it's like a schedule. Uh, I, I don't want to be away on back-to-back nights. So I always tell that to my wife. Like, she puts up with me going to games. She's great with it. She'll tell me when it's too much. I'll listen to her. So number one, I got to listen to my wife. Number two, I try to avoid back-to-back games. And number three, when DeGrom was here and pitching, I would always try to time out Jake nights. So if Jake was pitching on a Tuesday that probably ruled out the Monday and the Wednesday game to try to avoid back-to-backs. I think what's changed this is that my oldest son really loves going to games now. 
So, you know, back in the day when I had a baby at home, I wouldn't go to as many weekend games because I'm spending it with my family, rightfully so. So I'd actually go to more weekday games. Nowadays, it's different because on the weekends, he wants to go. My wife wants to go. My youngest son went to a few games last year. So it's kind of gone to, I'm going to go to more weekend games because my family's into it. There's a few giveaways I'll circle and say I'd want to go to it. But no, it's not all bobblehead days. Like there's a few games. I remember um, they gave away a, a a ring once, like a 69 replica, an 86 replica. Oh, I totally wanted to go to that. The Grand bobblehead, back-to-back Cy Young, totally wanted to go to that. The Seaver statue from this past year, totally wanted to go with that. Those uh, were the I, things I, that I, I go to. So speaking of promotions, for the 60th anniversary, you got this sick presentation uh, for the season tickets. Am I correct? They had like a did they have like some sort of box? It was amazing. Yeah. Is, is there any possible way they could one up that? Like, what could they do? It's the sixty. It's sixty first season. It doesn't really mean as much. Is that, are we really celebrating anything? Is there something that you think? What, what do you think they're gonna? How do they think they're gonna present your season tickets to you? Like on a gold ticket? Yeah. Hey, I go. expect Carlos Correa to show up at my house and say, "Just kidding, I'm a Met. <laughs> I'm here." No, I I think if they do that same box, that would be pretty cool. (laughs) The box itself was pretty cool. Maybe with other memories and other sounds. I don't know. It's so so different because back in the day, the box would come with tickets. Now the box doesn't come with tickets because everything's digital. You know, the days of peeling off the tickets, it's all gone. That's not how they do it anymore. So it's strange. So you get this box and it's really nothing. It's just, hey... Thanks for giving us a lot of money. Your tickets will be on your phone. Have a good day. It really should probably be like Howie Rose and Gary Cohen talking to you. Like, thanks so much. We'll see you at the game or something like that. Like introducing your season tickets. (laughs) That would be a good one. 